Great DJs deserve great music. That's why here at Desi BPM, we're giving professional DJs access to the first ever online DJ pool exclusively for Desi Music. Register your interest now and receive your first three months free at desibpm.com. Yeah, yeah, welcome to the show, it's the number one show, interviews and music, podcast, you know, integrate the culture through the times, just sit back and chill, it's the roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, just sit back and chill, it's the roots and rhymes, all you really need is some roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes, roots and rhymes. Hello and welcome to the all new Roots and Rhymes podcast brought to you by yours truly, Chuns, and I'm joined by my co-host Mac. How's it going, Mac? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. It's crazy. This is this is amazing. We're, we're currently in a pandemic. We're in a lockdown. Right. We're using technology to to bring listeners this podcast where we're going to talk about roots and rhymes. It's in the title. So, so we're basically going to talk about culture, uh, the Punjabi culture and music industry and, and the hip-hop industry and how it's influenced people in the Asian community, the millennials, how they're careers have been shaped by their Punjabi musical roots or the urban hip-hop roots and how they've grown up through that so I'm really excited about it it's it's really gonna be an insight for all of the listeners about how music can shape and influence careers De- definitely and it's done I mean like for me and you chance it's done that for us hasn't it I mean we've been we've been brought up in this hybrid of musical tastes and this mixture of you know the roots of Punjabi music the the massive influence that hip-hop had over us and that fusion and that collaboration and that mix of those two things and you know when you contacted me about this podcast and I thought what an amazing idea because there's so many people out there like us who are in that place where there's these different elements of their musical taste that have come together and shaped who they are absolutely and we're actually for today's episode we've got none other than yourself being interviewed and we're talking about how your coaching side of things and your mindset side of things has helped shape you and how music has uh, has influenced that yeah that that's exactly it is is the you know music has had a huge influence on me on my journey on my life on how I felt about certain things, on my uh, confidence and resilience and all those kind of things. And, you know, we get to have the, the chance to discuss that today and get the ball rolling for Roots and Rhymes. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to having this conversation and sharing that. Yeah, you know what? And the, the listeners, we could go on about this all day and the listeners are going to hear it, right? And it's it's really good and I hope it gives you an insight. So uh, let's get to it. Let's do it. Roots and Rhymes. For today's guest... Uh, is a mind and life set coach pro, former UK hip hop rapper. Once upon a time, he was my master of ceremony. <laughs> and just so it's happens back a few to years. be my co host, we have the infamous Mac. How you doing, Chance? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. I'm good, brother. So, for you guys that don't know and all you listeners, me and Mac go, we go way back, don't we? Way back. Over, well over 15 years now. Yeah. Way over 15 years. Well over 15 years. It's. You know what, we've been on quite a journey as well, both on a, a bit of a musical journey as well and and with our careers and loads of different things. So it's a pleasure to have you. 
Oh, it's great to it's great to be here. It's great to be doing this with you. Like you say, it's been, you know, thinking back when we when we were going to do this on our journey. I think one of the first things that really united us as friends was our love for music, our combined love for music, and what that meant to us Absolutely. individually back at that time. It was crazy, uh, wasn't it? it? I, I remember. I remember us um, meeting up at your house and. Uh, we we had this little thing uh, with a few other guys that we grew up with that yeah. we just used to talk about making music and production and um, yeah. music that inspired us and that kind of stuff. It was crazy. It was just it was crazy you know, trying to re- recreate the beats that we liked and uh, you know make music from the little pieces of software that we had. This was back in the day when like having a piece of software was a big big deal i mean like i remember crowding around the little computer trying to bust some beats yeah, out of that yeah. little system uh, what, we, we were using what a reason wasn't it reason yeah we were using reason back then that was crazy you know just think that 16 years later we'd be here on a podcast you as my co-host uh, talking yeah. about music and uh, and our journey through it it's been it's, it's absolutely crazy you know what it's a pleasure having you i'm really i really yeah, happy no, to be doing this with you yes me too it's going to be a lot of fun i think it's going to be one of those where Every time we do this, it's gonna you're gonna get a new flavor, a new feeling, a new perspective, and it's gonna be so insightful to get some really intriguing viewpoints from people who are really just love this stuff like we do. Yeah, absolutely. So, what I wanted to do today is um, discuss with you, Mac, and what we'll be do we'll be interviewing Mac, and we'll be discussing his career and uh, how he's gone through all the steps through music and um, and how he's ended up where he is now. But if you don't know, Mac is a life coach and mindset specialist, and he speaks to people, helps them get through uh, any tough times in their careers. And um, at the moment, it, he's got a series called Music and Mindset. So mm-hmm. we're going to talk to you about that a little bit later on. Rewind. Let's take it back. Know your roots. What I really want to know, Mac, is what's your earliest memory of listening to music well i mean i think going back like we're talking about cassette tapes i think i'm going back that long ago um you know my earliest memory is you know and it sure is the same for a lot of people out there is the stuff that your parents used to listen to Mm. or your older siblings that was my first really exposure real exposure to it Mm. um you know what my, I've got an older sister and what her and her friends, the guys yeah. that like I looked up to at that age, what they were listening to, what they, and most of the stuff was hip hop and R&B and yeah. explicit lyric stuff. So sneaking <laughs> away with your headphones on, listening to all these swear words going off. But my first real experience was, was just that really a lot of the stuff that my parents were listening to family mm. uh, and what kind of was going on in society at that time. So, so what was that like? So you, you said like hip hop and R&B and stuff, what kind of stuff was it like? Was it like, I don't know, what year was this? This was what my... This is like, I'm, I'm, so I'm like late late 80s, early mm. 90s was when I really started to pay attention to what was going on yeah. with music and started to develop my own style. Before that, it was probably like, you know, the equivalent of Baby Shark. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but like when I started to get a little bit older, I started to think, oh, okay, I, I like this artist. This is my kind of style. Mm. These are the things that really uh, sound good to me. Um so you're talking early nineties. Well, that was when like R and B was starting to come through with like Bobby Brown had just finished his kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. NWA were doing their thing. Yeah. Um, it's that kind that kind of era where, you know, Run DMC were 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 making a big splash and they did yeah. their uh, their song with I think it was Aerosmith, um, Walk This Way. That was a, that uh, was a, you know what, that's that's an absolute great tune that is, isn't it? 
what's great about that, it kind of broke a lot of barriers, you know, for like uh, Run DMC and Aerosmith. Aerosmith were this rock band that yeah. no one really knew. And then two guys, um, Run DMC, came onto this tune and it, yeah. it, it, it broke borders, it broke barriers. It was, you know what? It was, it's funny we're actually saying that because that, that's the whole point of the, the podcast here. We're talking about roots and rhymes. We're talking about right. how people like us, Asians, Mm-hmm. I've been brought up with hip hop music and crossed over the barrier and listened to to cultural music as well. So definitely, it's, it's funny that you say that, and it's really really relevant to us at the moment. But uh, touching on Bobby Brown as well, I mean, them early '90s eras were—that was my heyday as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I still listen to that music. I still love DJing that music. It's yeah, it's, it's so reminiscent when you when you hear them tunes and kind of feels like they don't make tunes like that anymore. Do it it it, do, it does feel like that. That uh, that real skill of making music, not just making a song, but like the you know the live style, the vocalist, lyrics, all that kind of stuff. I mean, every era always says my era was the best, but mm. I mean, like the early '90s onwards was the like the golden period, and that's when for me hip hop started to really take off. Yeah, uh, in terms of my exposure to it and understanding yeah. it, and understanding it was more than music; it was a culture that came with it. Mm. Um, you know, there was there was so many artists coming through at that point that were just we were getting exposed to them as well. We were, were we were allowed to see them. They were crossing over into mainstream, and it became not just cool to do it, but that whole cu- culture was just spreading through uh, through our our youth and our society. Yeah, you know what? It's it's funny you just said that. Every every generation basically says that my yeah. generation is the best. But let's be honest, this generation's hip hop and R and B is utter shit. The, I mean, the, you, it's a, you've it's got a, your pick it's, of the bunch. You've got your right. pick of the bunch, but to be honest, the kind of stuff that was brought out back then, mm. it was it's it sounds just just as good now yeah. as it did back then, and yeah. you could if, probably still play that in clubs. And you know what? I I know a couple of people who are probably a little bit younger than me at university, and they even know these R and B tunes, yeah, and these, yeah. and these hip hop tunes, and yeah. with with movies like um, Straight Outta Compton, you know mm. what I mean? It, it, it's kind of revived that music for for the younger generation as well. Whereas now I, I just can't see some of the hip hop that's out there at the moment really lasting. It, it kind of just well, feels uh, like a trend, like a bit like fast fashion. It is. It is like that. I mean, like it, it's, it's kind of feels like it's too easy to get exposure now. Like you're talking, I mean, like you know, we were talking in a bit ago about the, that this is often a tangent a little bit, but the, the Michael Jordan documentary that's out there yeah. at the moment, yeah, the last dance and, and like he, got so famous without Twitter, without Instagram, without putting his stuff on Facebook because he was just so good at what he did. And I think the point is for me, it's like to hear music back in the day, you had to be an exceptional artist. You couldn't be okay to get into the UK market because there was no real machine behind you in terms of social media. Now people are getting famous left, right, and center. They're not earning their dues in the same way that they did yeah. back in, in our generation because you had to work really hard to get that exposure. And I, I, I don't know about you, but basically you listen to music right now, it all sounds the same, right? Yeah, kind of this it does. rap crap and all this kind of stuff. Sounds the same. It's, it's a lot of samples from the stuff that we originally listened to, which, you know, yeah. again, were samples of 60s, 50s yeah, stuff. Absolutely. But it's like, yeah, this yeah. is the third, fourth time round for some of these samples. Yeah. And it it's all like, sounds the same. No, there's, Whereas back then, it kind of felt like, in order for an album to to take off or an artist to take off, he had to be different to every other artist. Yeah, yeah. And that's where I think yeah. the kind of magic came into it because they had to kind of 
think differently to everybody else. Whereas now you kind of think there's a formula. And yeah, if yeah. you meet that formula, if you've got a few gold chains and you're wearing certain clothes and you've got a social media presence, you can basically mm. put out music and it'll be, it'll be, That's it'll, it. it'll make it somewhere, especially yeah. with, with platforms, which to be honest, platforms that are going to help us with the podcast, but, right. but platforms that are, are, it's just so easy and accessible for people. Whereas before it was vinyl, it was press. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It, it had to be, it, it was, had to be put, it had to be pressed. It had to be on CDs. It had to go on shelves. Couldn't be downloaded and through Spotify and stuff like that. But well, well this is it but, to get but, you know to get that level of exposure back then. If you were going to sell that many records, it wasn't a click of a button and download to your phone. You had to go to this to the store. You had to physically go somewhere and buy it. You know, like that. That is a that that doesn't happen anymore. Like you don't go to buy a cassette. You don't go yeah. to buy a vinyl. You don't even go to buy a CD. It's instant now. You like the sound of a tune. You pay. You know, whatever it is, ninety nine p for yeah, it. Whatever you download it to your phone now is for hipsters, done. isn't it? So yeah, <laughs> that's it different. Is now. Different. It's a different, different lifestyle, and you know, of course, has massive advantages in terms of where technology has brought us. But I do feel that you know, with with my nostalgic hat on, that you know, we've lost something a little bit because the quality of the music and the amount, the sheer quantity and quality was there, whereas now it feels like there's a lot more quantity over quality. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously you come from a Punjabi background, right? Yeah. So we spoke a lot about hip hop and that kind of thing, but what mm-hmm. was your kind of exposure to like Bhangra music, Bollywood, anything like that? I mean, what, what was that like for you growing up? I mean, was that, was that a big deal? Was that, you know, was that something that fun. you was exposed to? Was that something that you only kind of heard at weddings and there wasn't much around your household? I mean, it's interesting to know like how the, the culture's kind of, uh, come into play there i mean obviously you, you said with the hip-hop music but mm. tell me tell me what what was your Punjabi upbringing like so it's it's a you know like obviously like you say being a Punjabi guy it really does come for me it comes down to like what do you, if your parents are really into bhangra music for example you'd get into it by default it's yeah. like one of those it's passed down they're listening to it all the time my parents weren't really into it so mm. I kind of found my own musical interests and the genres that I liked. And it, you know, I, I knew Bhangra, like we had, I remember, you know, when I was preparing for this, I was thinking back about my journey with Bhangra music. And I was thinking like, I knew some of the classics, like we had the cassettes of some of the like golden star stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Like I had some of those real classics cassettes Legend in the car. Marketing. Yeah. Like, the, you know, like, all those kind of really, really old... Which they also don't like that anymore either. Yeah, no, that's true. But for me, it was like, it was never... Bhangra wasn't never really a thing for me. Like, this is, like, as much as it is our music, it wasn't my music back then. Yeah, um, yeah. And for me, that, like, it's it's funny because you kind of, like, it, your music becomes a, such a huge part of your identity. Mm. So, like, for me, I went down the hip-hop route. Bhangra didn't really mean much to me. It wasn't yeah. something that I could appreciate it, but it, it wasn't like, if I've got my pocket money, I'm going to go buy a Bhangra album with it. It was definitely yeah, going to be yeah. hip hop. Bhangra for me was one of those things where it's like, I hear it, hear it at a wedding. It's amazing to dance to. It's amazing to have a good time to, but that was like, that was it. I couldn't tell you still today. I can't really tell you who's big in the scene, what the songs are, what the tracks are, what's happening. I just know that when I've had a few drinks and I'm in it and I'm at yeah, a wedding, yeah, yeah. there's nothing better than Bhangra music. That's it. Um, that, but it's, know, not, it's, it's funny that you say that. And it's like, I think all, it's almost like, you listen to to Bhangra and then and that kind of music by default 
just like yeah. by your exposure to to I don't know family functions and that kind of right. stuff. But it's still it, the funny thing about it is you could basically not catch up with Bangra or anything like that for about a year or two, and then you go to a yeah. function, you hear these, you kind of like you know them, right? Right. Already, it's it's it is, that, it that's is the like funny that. thing that is. It is really like that, and I, 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 it's been like that for me definitely. Like I haven't caught up with it, but I feel like it's like. It's like it's like watching EastEnders. You don't watch it for ten years. Yeah. You watch it after one episode. It's like, oh, same yeah, so shit's happening again. One big soap opera, right? Exactly. <laughs> one big drama. So, so it's like that for me. And for me, it was like that with Bangra. It was like I didn't. I, you know, a lot of my friends growing up. Again, it's it really does come to who you're exposed to, what you're exposed to. A lot of my friends were white and black growing up when I was like really young. So, and I didn't really have that many Punjabi friends. So the music that I tended to listen to was what they were listening to and what yeah. their families was listening to. Yeah. And it only became later on in life that I was like more and more exposed to Bhangra. But by that time, I kind of like, I, I was so into hip hop and it became part of me and I knew the history and I understood what it stood for. That Bhangra for me just became something that I liked the sound of rather than something that I followed. So you say like your friends kind of helped you get into to the hip hop and, and it was what their parents were listening to as opposed to what your parents were listening to. So it was more like secondhand influence. Secondhand um, influence. I mean, my, my parents were like, they, they've got a quite, like, they've got quite an eclectic mix of music. So, you know, looking back at what they used to listen to at home, like obviously everyone back then was listening to Michael Jackson so you couldn't get away from yeah. that that was I think that was across every every boundary but yeah. you know my dad in particular he used to listen to a lot of rock a lot of okay. uh, a lot of soul my mum used to like Motown one of my friends uh, was Jamaican his mum used to listen to reggae all the time so you start to hear a lot of Bob Marley you start to get that kind of feel and that kind of influence and you just start to hear this different style of music and then like I say you, you, you're exposed to it all and as you grow up you start to develop your own preferences and think oh I like this yeah, style yeah. or I like this and I like this and I like a little bit of this so you know whilst I'm if someone said to me what's your favourite type of music I'd always say hip hop mm. and R&B that doesn't mean that like I'll listen to Oasis or listen yeah, to yeah. some indie bands or some rock bands and really appreciate what they're putting out there because music is music and it speaks to you in a different way at different points uh, in your in your, true, in your life so what's your favourite MJ album? you know, you know like I, I think Bad for me Bad, yeah. Bad's my favourite and it's just because again you know the amount of exposure I had to that album my mum and dad went to see MJ playing no. Wembley Oh, uh, wow. On his bad tour, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So you know, obviously, like we, I had the bad uh, duvet covers, pillow covers, posters on the no. wall. Not really, yeah. Like I had the whole so you were memorabilia. Like, is it Macaulay Culkin in the? In yeah, the video? that was that was bad, wasn't it? When he when he was uh, jumping on the bed and he had everything I think MJ so. all over the yeah, walls. Yeah, it was it was like that. that was like you. my my mom, my dad, my aunties, they all went and they just came back with pretty much I think everything you could buy from the merchandise yeah. stall. They'd got it all, but that was like, you know, that was like seeing royalty back then. But I mean, like who right, was like bigger MJ, in the world? He, he broke barriers on a different yeah. level. I, I don't know if you've seen the Bad Twenty Five documentary. So twenty five. No, I haven't seen it. Twenty five year anniversary of the Bad album. I think Spike Lee directed. Mm-hmm. Um, this documentary I kid you not it it gave me another level of respect yeah for, yeah. for Michael Jackson I mean I, I'm a massive Michael Jackson fan myself but 
it gave me another level of respect to understand the amount of detail that they went to, like like mm. recording instruments on yeah on platforms just to, so it resonates a little bit more through right. the microphone just to get that right sound. It's just honestly, it's he, he was one amazing artist. Yeah, I and mean, like, you, you just let's you, forget about everything that's in the news and stuff. As an artist, he was great. And controversially, yeah. some people could say that about R. Kelly as well. But well, it's one. Of, I mean, it's 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 uh, you know without getting to the controversy of it, you know, he's made a, he, he's made a stand on this music. Like that, yeah. that is an undeniable fact. The, the, the fact that he has made such a big uh, contribution to this style of music is why it's so much big news, what's going on with him. Yeah. And like, you know, it's not, we're not even going to get into the controversy of that, but nah. musically he's, he's crazy. He, has R. Kelly had an influence? Yes. Has Michael Jackson had an influence? Yes. Do you agree with them? That's, completely your yeah. prerogative so let's go back so when did your kind of musical journey start so obviously you you were a uk hip-hop artist yeah you recorded yeah. um yeah. uh you did a couple of shows here and there mm-hmm. when did your kind of journey start how did you kind of get into that what was your first rhymes what's your earliest memory of maybe were you a battle rapper were you uh were you more like a, an artist um in a studio or what was mm-hmm. it was it was that beatboxing so, uh, in the streets and rapping over in the playgrounds? What? Tell me. It started for me where with like I, it's it, the whole musical thing started for me was again like I'm going to go back to this point, but it's about what your parents expose you to. It's about the experiences in, in younger age. One of the first things that I got kind of put into was piano lessons when I was oh, like, I don't know five or six years old or something like that. I was I was young. I can't remember exactly the year, but. Piano, it was a great, it was a great thing to be involved in because you, you know, you're learning this skill, you're learning this instrument, you start to hear what you can play, you're starting to want to play other things. But that, but through my piano school, we did a lot of performances back then. So, you know, we did a lot of the local theatres and that kind of thing, and that gave me the performance bug. Yeah. So I got to the point where it's like piano was cool and it was nice, but it was just classical music that you learn. You just learn like typical piano songs. Mm. For, but then now that I knew more about music and I had an appreciation behind behind what went it what what into performing and what went into making music yeah and instrument and instruments, I started to get more into rap I started to want to be a rapper I started to like be just practice writing rhymes I think the first going way back the first time I kind of really rapped was at, in, in public was at my, on my dad's 40th birthday. No so way. I wrote him like a happy birthday rap. That's high pressure. Uh, That's it high was, pressure. It was, it was high pressure when I was, that, when I was that young. You're talking like, oh man, 25, 26 years ago, you know? Wow. So like, just, it was just a little kind of maybe like 20 second, 30 second yeah, yeah, yeah. rap. But the whole theme with it was happy birthday. And from then it was just kind of like, I got the bug and I started to write more and just, practice these things and like we had a there was a few of us at school that used to like you know we we'd taken a lot of influences from what we were seeing in the states back then people rapping on the street and getting together and we weren't battle rappers by any stretch of the imagination but you know we'd just write these little pieces and then rap them and then someone else would write a little piece and rap them and you know we just had a little thing going on there where it was it was kind of cool and it was kind of just creative and then as that goes on you start to get a bit more serious about it yeah start to you know, want to do more, want to write actually fully formed songs and lyrics. And 
you know, you're going to try and get the girls as well. And one of the great ways to get them is through music. If you could <laughs> rap or you could perform, it was like... what you used to spit you, bars at girls and that. I used to spit bars at girls and used to like, and sometimes it was like, oh my God, that was amazing. And sometimes I was like, what the fuck have I just done? <laughs> but it was, I mean, like it was, you know, growing up, it's like music is one of those things that's like, it's, it's cool. And it's like, everybody wants to do it. Everybody's got like dreams of being famous, the football player or a musician or an actor yeah. or something like that. And for me, it was like, okay, this music thing, I really enjoy it. People seem to be liking what I'm doing. I'm going to write more. Started working with some people, like local record labels, starting to spend hours and hours and hours in the studio writing this stuff, producing this stuff, and pushing it out there. But pushing it out there before there was really like the huge social media explosion. Yeah. Like MySpace was the biggest thing back then. And if you were on MySpace, I was like, you had, you had made oh it. If you had, it felt like MySpace came as quick as it, well, it went as quick as it came. Yeah, you know, it, it, was, it really I felt remember like that. That was my early, like my first exposure of social media, obviously. Yeah. It was one of the first social media platforms out there. I remember people putting music out there constantly. And then all of a sudden it kind of just died away. It was almost yeah. so, it, it, you think about it now, it was such a bare bones like website and Uploading things to it when you had like dial up internet yeah, wasn't yeah. easy, especially if you had a four minute track and you wanted it the best quality. You, you were literally spending three hours trying to get it uploaded onto MySpace. It, it, it was it was it was a it was a real grind to get your stuff on MySpace and get it heard. And I mean, it's like like you say, it came and went really quickly. It's kind of almost forgettable now that MySpace MySpace even existed. Yeah. Whereas things yeah. like now, Facebook, Instagram, they're going to be in, ingrained in people's minds. For a long, long time to come, um, I think. I think that's why it's given a lot of people people a platform as well. I mean, even even in the Punjabi music industry, I mean, you, you've got a lot of people pushing things out. Like we're we're in the middle of a pandemic right now, mm. and you're getting artists constantly pushing out things on on social media as well, and yeah. getting that wider exposure, worldwide yeah. exposure in an right. instant. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it, it's it can be shared like immediately as well. It's I mean, it's it's a funny thing. Social media it can kind of kill your career, and it can kind of make your career as well. Yeah, but yeah. obviously, like you said, when you, when you started off, there was no social media. There was, it was just there was no there was no real. It was just a grind. It was it was burning CDs. It was giving them out. It was turning up to places and hoping you um, can have five minutes with someone. It was A and R people and trying to get the contact details, sending CDs out, having no idea if they even received it or listened to it. Um, you know, sending sending it to a radio station, just hoping someone plays it somewhere and, you know, getting that kind of exposure piece by piece by piece by piece and hustling and building and building and building and not knowing really what's going on next. Um, to the point where you just you just have to keep pushing and then and then, you know, social media started to come in and, you know, you started to be able to email and send MP3s and, you know, yeah. build little websites. And that bit when it was was when it became a lot easier to um, distribute your stuff as an independent artist because, yeah. you know, I remember the first first times like I really got some sort of traction with my music was when I had a little mini website and was putting this stuff out there and then people were request, requesting CDs and it was like, oh my God, people want this music. Yeah. Like that was yeah, like yeah. a great a great feeling that people were not, I wasn't like shoving it down people's throats anymore. Yeah. They were coming to me saying, oh, I really like that track. Can you send me that CD? Can you send me this? Yeah, 
It's back to the future, man. See, I fly right through like Superman. And I march on the stage like a trooper, man. And hear my shit go, ooh. I think to the point where I remember once I got a. This is when, and again, mobile phones were starting to come back in then, so you could send messages and text people and blah blah blah. I remember one time I had a I had a mobile phone, but it's not like nowadays where you keep it on you all the time. And I had a voice uh, a voicemail on it, and it was Nahal from um, BBC Asian well from Asian Network back then. But wow. it's, you know, the, the, he's he's doing amazing things right now. So and he was like, was oh man, this was like I must have been about. 17, 18, so we're talking like, you know, over, tw- well, about 20 years, so call it about 20 years ago. So the, this um, was like long before BBC Asian Network, so it wasn't, it was it was BBC Radio 1 then, yeah. so it was like what, the Bobby Friction BBC, and the it was the, Yeah, it was the last, right, it was the late, they were doing, I think they were doing the, like, the late night kind of yeah. slot the, back You then. know what, I have to say that that Bobby Friction and the Hal show really paved the way for a lot of artists. Oh, huge, as huge. Well. And, it was huge, and, so, and, and like it was, and he, he left me a voice, not, and obviously like, you know, it was a, this is a probably, not, it's not even a memory for him, but it's a huge memory yeah, yeah, for me, yeah. and he was like, look, really love your stuff, um, send me a CD, blah, 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 blah. Um, just keep doing what you're doing. A really, really nice message just of encouragement. And, um, you know, so I sent him a CD and never really heard much back. But again, it was one of those where you put it in the post and hope that someone there gets it or that those people get it. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was one of those, okay, I'm doing something good here. The second thing was uh, Rishi Rich's his brother, when after Jay Sean and Juggy D had absolutely smashed the industry, um, the, the mentor he's called, he had a show. And I think that was actually when Asian Network was, a, was its own station there. And he had this competition, like a national competition going where you'd send in your, your demo stuff. And he'd, if he liked it, it, you know, you'd people, it would be a public vote. If he liked it, then the winner, he would remix your song and play it live on air. And I won, I won that uh, competition, which was, That's again, sick. for me, it was like, this is amazing, incredible. Like people have voted for this stuff now. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. now he's remixing it and it was all these moments I mean by no way did I ever get anywhere close to where I had in my mind I wanted to be as an artist but it was a it was a real passion for me there was yeah. moments of success it yeah. kind of came at a point where it was like okay I need to start thinking about university now and you mm. you lose the fire a little bit for it sometimes yeah. and other parts of your life takes over and yeah. it kind of drifted me me making music drifted for a for a while um but, but it's always been a huge part of my life and you know it kind of came back strong then when you know when me and you did the club circuit and I was doing the club circuit for a few years before that as an MC to a couple of DJs and uh, you know I was your hype man for for a number of years so that performance element came back even if the yeah. production side of it wasn't really there but you know me as a performer as an artist it's been something that's been such a big part of who I am growing up. Mm. I mean, even like taking that forward into the, into the mindset stuff. Now, a lot of the things I do is public speaking or, or events and seminars. And I see that as the same way I approach it in the same way as I'd approach a gig that we were doing or a performance yeah. I had to do live. You have to go in with the same mindset. It's a performance. You have to deliver a, a feeling to these people. You need to leave them feeling a certain way about what you've just put out there. So that's see. You know, you know it's, it's a huge it's, thing. It's funny that you say that. It's that I think with a lot of creative artists or performers, DJs, rappers, singers, and stuff, the the actual act of 
rapping or singing for all of them that's probably not what drives them it's it's mm. that addiction to the performance I yeah think. yeah and, definitely and, i mean personally that's what it was for me with, with dj i absolutely love music yeah i love playing the music i hated the dj grind as in mm. like trying to like now dj's DJs have elevated and it's all about social media, having that kind of presence. It's hardly anything on your skill. Right. Merit, you right. could just play tracks. Yeah. As long as you've got a following, you'll be up there in, in the club circuit. But for yeah. me, it was a case of, you know, when, when you drop a tune and the crowd mm. goes wild, yeah, that yeah. adrenaline yeah. is that what moment. brings you back every single week. That's that, what you're that paying was for. It. That, you're that, paying for that buzz. You and, are. And, and, and like you said, I mean, that the addiction to the performance is what's kind of driven you and um, like you said, the coaching now, speaking in front of people, that kind of thing, it's its all really stemmed from that, hasn't it? It is, the, it definitely. I mean, I remember so many times when we performed and we did the club circuit that there's been moments where, you know, as an MC, I'm hearing what you're playing yeah. and listening to the drop and listening to the beat and listening to the next song. And even I'm like, oh my God, that sounds fucking sick. Yeah. And I, I'm, because, you know, you don't prepare for those moments. It's like, I'm just on the mic reacting to what you do. And Absolutely. those moments where you drop something, you'll play a song and the crowd just goes crazy and you have to pull it back. And you have that moment of where it's like, it's going to start again and that vibe you and the energy rewind, of the crowd you love the rewind I love I, I love the pullback one I, you know like it was one of those things where you had to be very careful with the pullbacks though because it was like you could it was it had to be the, you could way overdo it it's like you know use them use them wisely before we were out in the scene I mean or before I was out in the scene DJ and you were obviously hosting in clubs when when I was when I was coming through just attending clubs yeah so I mean you were with uh, was it Smooth D Smooth D yeah and, and that guy, I remember another, he was peak in the yeah. Leeds DJ scene. And he was he was a fundamental turntablist. He yeah. rock up with all his records, three people behind him. He, he didn't play on anything but turntables and his record collection was on point. I remember the, the clubs that we were in and they were predominantly like, it was R&B, hip hop, yeah. dance hall. Yeah. It was all that kind of vibe. And the pull-up was massive yeah. when it when you when it used to drop, and the the crowd used to go wild. And Smooth D, he, unfortunately, he's probably not DJing much now. Yeah, but but back then, and I, I guarantee there's probably still DJs out there now that'll play homage to him because he yeah. was he was actually one of the the first Indian DJs I saw locally. Yeah, who didn't play any Indian music at all. He was not, he was not one purely R and B, hip hop, dancehall. Yeah, in that hip hop arena, because he he had he was really into the the lifestyle as well. But he he broke through in as a DJ, mixing it shoulder to shoulder with the best DJs out there, standing side by side and, and performing. And you're right, he you know he did everything on vinyl. I remember because we had to carry them heavy ass flight cases up and down stairs in clubs. It wasn't like now you turn up with a MP3 or it's already loaded on your laptop. You had to carry boxes and boxes of records um, up and down flights of stairs just so you could be ready. But you know he he knew hip hop inside out. He knew how to get a crowd going. We I think and I'm sure you'll remember Thursday nights at rehab in Leeds. That R&B hip hop night was probably one of the hottest nights. Uh, hottest R&B hip hop nights that I've ever been to and I think that was like we'd you know we'd get people coming from 
all over the country for that Thursday night because they knew that was the place to be. That hip hop music, that venue, everything about it was was the best you could probably get in the UK at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It, it probably did pay. It it basically was the best night on a Thursday night. It was basically the best Thursday night in Leeds. Yeah, yeah. You have to say. And it, it came through with loads of DJs, like even DJs right now that people our age would remember and appreciate probably DJed in rehab at one yeah. point or another. Yeah. We went on the scene as well. Yeah. We, we started DJing the circuit. I mean, I myself wasn't always in the hip hop scene, but I kind of came into it. I started off Indian weddings and, and yeah. DJing a, a Bungara music and that kind of stuff, but really fell out of love with it mm. because it was just, the, I, I preferred to DJ in a club yeah. um, and on a residency on, on circuits and yeah. have an MC that side of things on the wedding scene, it was a bit more political. There was a lot of people yeah. coming through at the time. Yeah. That kind of thing kind of fell out of love with that. And a lot's happened in that time. Mm. I mean, for me, I, a great deal's happened with me and now we're back here. And you're on this coaching and yeah. mindset life and you've got the music and mindset series that you're you're currently um, in the middle of. Yeah. So how was that inspiration and your career through music so starting off being a rapper and then becoming a host, being on the scene for the best part of probably eight or 10 years mm. and then getting to the uh, the coaching side of things, how has that kind of helped you go into that? And I how think, did you get there? Yeah, it's it's it seems like an odd like movement from going to music, music, music into like, okay, coaching and like, you know, mindset and stuff like that. But really I think that the mindset stuff came alongside my own development as a person, as a, as a human being. And I think that's always been there for me. Music aside, the coaching stuff's come from having family members going through mental illnesses. This is going back when I'm like, when, when it wasn't cool to talk about depression or even yeah. that word wasn't even used, but now looking back at it thinking, shit, man, like a lot of my family members were going through depression at that point when I didn't even and know what depression was. And they didn't know it. And they didn't know it and I didn't know it. It wasn't diagnosed and it wasn't one of those things, but there was a lot of moments in my life where I was like, how there's got to be more than this. Like what's mm. the difference between me and someone else? Like how come not, not, not how come they've got more stuff. It's how come they can deal with this stuff and I can't deal with this stuff. How come they've got a life like this where they're facing all these troubles and they're okay. But these people in my life, they're not okay with it. And it's mm. destroying some people, but it's building some other people. What, what's the difference? And, you know, being around what I know now as depression and anxiety and all those kind of things, it's number one scared me because I didn't want that for the rest of my life. I didn't want to go through that. I don't want to have to uh, feel like that was my destiny and that there's nothing I can do to change it. I wanted to change it. And, you know, going through the whole music thing, you know, we, we talked a little bit about some of the little mini successes I had in my career and, and some great experience being in clubs and, you know, emceeing and being on stages in front of hundreds of people and all those kind of great moments. There's also the flip side to that, which is also the bad moments. You're producing music and people are telling you it's shit. You're, yeah. you're on stage and people are saying, what the hell are you doing on stage? They don't want to see you on stage. The, the kind of rejection that you face when you put your heart and soul into something, someone just tears it down. And for me, one of the reasons I fell out of love with music was not down to 
just I had other things to do in my life. It was completely to do with confidence as well. It like get to a point where it's like, I'm just getting hit after hit after hit and I'm getting these signs of success, but it's not enough to sustain my uh, confidence levels. It's like all the things that I do, it's like the, the knockbacks hit me so hard that it wasn't worth me do it any, doing it anymore. It's like, I'm, I'm done. You know, I wanted yeah. to do this. I love doing it. People believe in me. People are saying, don't give up. You're on the cusp of something great. You know, these people want it. These people like it. These people want you to get in contact. There's this opportunity here. And those things would build me up. But it take one person to knock it all away. It take yeah. one bad voice, one neg- piece of negativity. And I didn't know how to deal with that at that age. And it really affected my whole confidence going into so many things that I did. And that was the point where it's like, enough's enough. There's got to be a way for me to get through this. It can't just be like, like well, other people just get positive vibes all the time. They don't. They just yeah. are resilient. And I didn't have that resiliency. And so my whole journey went into, okay, mindset. Everything's mindset. It doesn't matter if it's music, sports, business, family, mm-hmm. relationships. Everything that I know that I need is in my mind. And until I get that bit right, there's no point pursuing anything else because I'm going to do it with flaws in my game. Yeah. So the, the, the crazy thing is, is like, like you're saying, there's so many people that are out there that are probably so talented. Yeah. But all it's probably taken is one knockback. Yeah. For them to think, you know what, I might as well stick, stick to my nine to five. Right, right. You know I mean, go there's back, probably go so back many in your artists box. out there that are untouched. Yeah. Because they, they, they got knocked down once yeah. by someone that probably doesn't even know what they're doing. Exactly. And because of that, they, because their mindset completely changed, right. it's, it's allowed them not to pursue it. And, and it's quite sad, really. And it, it is. It's, it's great work that you're doing. I mean, from a mindset perspective. I know there's overuse of the words like anxiety and mm. depression and stuff. At the moment, I, I say overuse. It could actually mean the, 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 there's more people that are suffering anxiety because of social media and that right. kind of thing. But from yeah. a musical perspective, them knockdowns have always been there. Yeah. they've Even when social new. media wasn't here. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, depression or anxiety or mindset was probably more important because it wasn't as easy to get exposed. So maybe maybe people were more resilient. I don't know. Were they more resilient before? Are they more resilient now? Is it because of social media? People have more insecurities. It's interesting to actually that have that conversation and how it is in the context of music then and now. Right. It it, it really it really is, and I think that like social media has caused an increase in anxiety because there's this comparison mentality now that my life doesn't look as good as your life on Instagram. Like you know what your best picture isn't my reality, and I, yeah. I think that your best picture is your reality, but it's not the case. But the so I think anxiety and uh, mental health issues are going up. Due to social, or, or, or not because of it, like it's all social media's fault, but social media has a role. However, it at least gets talked about a little bit more now. It wasn't really talked about 10, 15, 20 years ago. No. It was a weakness. It wasn't like a, oh, this mental health thing is like a real thing. It's something that people need support with. It was like, nah, shut up and get on with your life and, and man up. And, you know, you talk about Punjabi culture. And yeah. what we've been influenced by, you know, people just about now are getting to terms of talking about it out loud. Back yeah. when we were young, 18, 19, if we were suffering from it, you know, we've got to think we look, we look weak in front of our friends. It's not what our culture tells us to do. It's not what our, fa- our fathers have shown us. We don't know as men how to handle that stuff. We just get no. told, you know what? 
you're supposed to be stronger. You're supposed to be man enough to take this. If you can't, and if you feel weak, that's your flaw. That's not something that you need to deal with. It's just that you need to, you know, stick your chest out and get on with it. But it's just not, it's, it's not that easy. And that's the difference now, I think. I think because you, like you said, it's more widely recognized mental mm. health issues are being even spoken about in small communities. Yeah. And the Punjabi community as well. Hopefully that's paving the way for more people to do this, which it looks like it is. I mean, platforms such as uh, such as uh, Facebook, mm. Instagram and all that, people are being so much more creative now. Definitely. I mean, for me, when I was at university, I, w- I did a creative course at university, but you never saw many Asians or Indians on a creative course. Nah. How, many, how, many, how many Asians were on your course? Two. There you go. Two, there were literally two right. on, on our course. That's, that's, it. that's it. And, and that just, in, that in my just year goes, anyway. Yeah, and that just, goes, well, that just goes to show we were like, okay, music, sport, film is not your route. Doctors, yeah. lawyers, accounting, yeah. that's your route. Now go down yeah. that route. Like, luckily, I know, you know, knowing you for so long and you know me for so long, our parents have given us the, the opportunity to kind of, at that age when, you know, they could tell us what we had to do, to give us the opportunity to be a bit more flexible and say, look, go, go pursue your, the things that you're interested in. There's so mm. many people out there that you're right. hundred percent in, in all industries. I know some amazingly talented footballers, Asian footballers that I played with. And you're like, you could have easily made it pro, but you've either been number one, that the, your parents have said no, or number two, it's too hard to break in because these people don't want to let you in. Or, or number three, you just get knocked back so much. Your confidence goes. And, and that's where the whole mindset thing comes in, you know, for, for all my experience, whether in music or whatever aspect of my life, the times I've failed is comes, doesn't come down to necessarily skill level. It comes to resilience levels. You know, mm-hmm. it's the point where it's like, yeah, your skill will take you so far, but your will has to take over at some point as well. Skill is never going to be enough. Talent is never going to be enough. Work rate is going to be one part of it, but resilience is going to be the huge other part of it. And that's the bit for me. That like that's where it all starts. Going back to the musical aspect of mm-hmm. it. So what made you want to bring that musical aspect in and what kind of artists and stuff are you looking to get on there? So the so the thing for me is like music's always gonna be a huge part of my life. So my the combination of like I say, music becomes part of your identity, hip hop's part of my identity. You know, the, the types of music that I listen to has, still has a huge influence over, you know, the way you dress, the way you, uh, you know, the, the, the types of music you listen to, what you wear, all that kind of stuff is influenced massively by this musical culture that you get brought up in. So it only was natural for me to make this mindset stuff real by integrating parts of my personality into it. So, you know, I'm not going to be uh, like a scientist based person when I've never studied any science. I'm going to do it my way, which is I've learned these things. I've, I've been on a, you know, last five, six years spent time getting qualified and making sure that I'm legitimately can claim to be a coach people, not just like, Oh, I decided to be a life coach today. You know, I've done the courses, got the qualifications, been accredited by the right governing bodies to be able to say, I paid my dues to do this, but now mm. it's about style. It's not about substance now. And yeah. for me, Adding music to that is the style I want to bring to it. It's, it's going to help influence it. It's going to feel more natural to me because it's an extension of my personality. Even coming back onto the to the music side now, quarantine and lockdown has meant that I've had more free time and I've started writing again. I've started making music again. I've started putting lyrics down again, started getting the microphone out, spitting a few beats here and there. 
but now it's all done in line with what I'm doing. So whereas yeah. you know, when I was 18, 19, rapping about girls and clubs and drinking and this and that and all those kind of things that you think that you should be rapping about because everyone's rapping about it. Now I'm like, no, I want to talk about the message. I want to talk about positive hip hop. I want to talk basically what I do with coaching. I want to transform that into music. So it becomes, again, it's not like I'm over here rapping and I'm over here doing coaching. It's like, no, these, these, all these things have come into my life for a reason. How do I bring all these strings and time together into one unit that I can push out there and hopefully help people with? That's wicked, man. That's really, really good. And you know what? It's, it's, it's bringing something really positive. And um, I think music is a great way for that. Just listening to a song can change your mood completely as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so obviously feeding into that emotional side of things I don't know if it's the same for you but if I if I'm in a shitty mood and I listen to I don't know um, a, an old Dr. Dre song it kind of gets me in a different mindset yeah yeah yeah. you know what I mean but then Definitely. if you listen to Eminem's Stan I'm almost want, wanting to cut and slip my wrists <laughs> right. or something like that so right. it, it, it can completely change your your attitude and and your, your mindset completely definitely so Definitely. yeah I think um, the music and mindset course is definitely going to be a win um, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting, you know, more artists on there and, you know, just, again, it's not really necessarily to discuss their musical journey, it's to discuss the mindset that they've had along the way they, of their musical journey, how they've coped with setbacks, how they've uh, appreciated the success, what it's meant to them, how they've managed to get to the next level, what skills that they needed, because they're transferable skills to any area of life. Once you get them skills, it's not about the industry, it's just about life skills. Yeah, no, that's sick, Matt. Good luck with it. Thank you, brother. Not one Pete. Not two Pete. It's the three Pete. So the, the next part of the show is uh, something that we call three Pete. So I need you to select three songs yeah. that it could be relating to mindset that mm -hmm. can completely change your mood or, or three songs that you would pay on repeat back to back. You know... All day, every day. It can be from the earliest part of your journey yeah. or it could be something new. Three songs that you could play on repeat. I knew this question anytime. was coming and this is such a hard question to answer in a good <laughs> way because there's so many songs that you think, you know what, that's the song that meant that, 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 that had that moment for me, this song over here. But when I think about it, the one song that when it still comes on today, anywhere it comes on, it's one of those songs that you just, you listen, you sit up and you listen because when it drops, it's like still the best drop is still Dre. That's it. I mean, like, you know, you, you know, what seen... I found out about still Dre. Hang on. I, I don't know if you know this. Do you know who actually wrote still DRE? No, uh, was it Scott Storch wrote it. No, Scott Storch played the piano. Right. On it and produced it. I don't uh, know. Alongside uh, Dr. Dre, obviously. But Jay-Z actually wrote still DRE. Oh, did he? That's, it's, it's crazy that's I, good. I, I, I didn't know that I heard that uh, I watched a documentary with Dr. Dre uh, a couple of months back and he said uh, yeah Jay-Z wrote this song still DRE but currently it's 2001 and I was like mind blown yeah it's I would never have guessed it Jay-Z is one of those you know I would actually call him my favourite artist of all time now like now thinking about all the artists that I was really into like you you know like I had Ludacris on repeat for a long time when he was oh. fresh in the game. Like, I hope you know, he's on that list of three. Yeah, I remember he's sitting in it, your car and all there was is Ludacris chicken it was, and beer it, album. 
<laughs> constantly. But I think as you get older and as you mature, like Jay-Z is one of those artists that's matured along with you or you've seen him progress yeah. from young young to like older, older person. The funny thing with Jay-Z is like we've seen him live and I'm yeah. I'm like Pretty I'm giant. calling him my favorite my favorite artist of all time. I'm so late to the game when it comes to Jay-Z because I didn't really like his music that much when he was, when everybody liked it. I was like, Jay-Z's okay, but it's not really my thing. The, that switched for me when I when I saw him live the first time. Uh, yeah. I think I've told you, I think I've told you this story before, but like my ex-girlfriend, she bought me these tickets to, to the Jay-Z concert. And I can't remember, it might be for my birthday or something. And I was like, great thanks like this is an amazing <laughs> present like try to be really enthusiastic about it but i was like fucking jay-z man it's like it's, it's not like he's really fucking good and he's so influential and he's got a bank of great hits i just don't what, really... what year was that what what album what um was it? this is might be blueprint three might be might, it's about that time but i was like you know jay-z's great like i didn't have anything against him it just wasn't my favorite artist at all until I saw him live and yeah. I've never been more blown away by one man on a stage than Jay-Z. No, no band, no nothing too. came out in a yeah. black t-shirt, a black pair of shorts, you know, black Jordans and just absolutely killed every single song that he'd ever produced and made me hear all his songs differently. That was the thing yeah. for me. It's like, I left that concert thinking, I know all these songs he's played and I said, I didn't really like any of them. Today I f- fell in love with every single song that you song you know that you what? performed. I, I think that's I the sign of a really good concert is when you leave that venue, you jump in your car and you play them yeah, again. Yeah, you're not sick of hearing, and them you on stage. hear them differently. Like some, yeah. he performed them in a way that was like that song just sounded different. It's like being hearing it for the first time with fresh ears. Yeah, I knew all the songs. I knew every single song he was playing. I knew most of the lyrics to them. I just didn't really like them until I heard him do it. Then it was like yeah. okay. Jay-Z's unbelievable. And since then, he's just, he's just the most incredible art, uh, incredible rapper, businessman, artist, entrepreneur, whatever. He just has just killed it in every single level of, of the game. So we've got still DRE. Still DRE. So uh, going back to when I was a bit younger and I was like, you know what? I have to put an LL Cool J song in there because, um, because he was the man when we were like, when I was younger anyway, I was like, if you, if you put, if cool, or like if there was one person that, you know, was smooth and slick and everything that you wanted to be and looked the part, dressed the part, had the body, had the looks, everything that, you know, all the girls used to love him. LL Cool J was the man. He was he the was man the for a man. long time. So I was going to put doing it in as that track, but like, you know, let's let's keep it to lounging because it's, uh, it's a <laughs> bit more appropriate if people want to go and listen to it. Well, it was the Mr. Smith album, wasn't it? The Mr. It? Smith That's album the, was, yeah. That album was, it was probably one of the... It, you could kind of say it crossed over R and B hip hop. Yeah, like he yeah. was a rapper, but he all the he, he was it, yeah. It, it, that's such a such a good point because he, you know, he wasn't a like I want to kill you kind of you know fuck everyone kind of rapper. He was like I'm going to seduce you, which is what R and B artists were doing. But I'm going to seduce you through rap, and it was like yeah. oh okay, and it was like you know it was one of those first people to do it that way. And, you know, I remember when, when, when doing it came out and like, you know, that was definitely when you couldn't listen to in front of your parents. Yeah. Uh, that song was like everything back in the day. I mean, the beat, the, the delivery, the, the, everything about that song was just 
that was just one of those one of those I, I it's funny because like I, I I heard it the other day um I was I was working out with the few weights that I've got at home during this lockdown and I've had had music on and I had an, uh, an hour, uh, uh, a classic hip hop playlist on and it came on and obviously I had to turn it down because the neighbors would have been listening uh, I was like I listened to it again for the first time in a lot and I was like this is unbelievable this song is still classic it's still relevant so good. still I, relevant I, and, and we're stands up against anything out there today I still love yeah. that album so it was number probably two. one of the first albums I, I heard as well like back to back yeah every single tune yeah back in the day I remember my brother had it and listening to it even like doing it not even having a clue yeah. about what he was talking yeah. about yeah. it was still <laughs> sick yeah. it was still so, like Hey Lover as well yeah and yeah, Hey Lover was a great track Mama Said Knock You Out I think that might have come before came before the Mr. Smith album but I mean it was honestly our memories of that that album so that's a good that's a good number two I, I like so I like your number two number three Number three now was like, okay, do I throw Ludacris in there? Because he had such an influence on everything that I did. Used to dress like him. Used to, I mean, I had all the FUBU stuff. I had Ludacris, <laughs> Ludacris used to wear this Kangol bucket hat and I had to search <laughs> like mad to get it. And I found it, I bought it, used to wear it all the time. And now I look at them pictures thinking, what the fuck were you doing? Man? Like, I was just doing, like, you know, this hat hopefully will still look okay if I look back on photos that hat was terrible <laughs> it was horrible it was just a mess I had the but I had the you know the big jacket the baggy pants the fubu shoes the like the Averex jacket and this bucket hat and I just basically wanted to be ludicrous at that point yeah um so you know his song would have would have been there if Jay-Z wasn't the artist that he was be so I'm gonna I'm gonna move to just take it to something a bit more modern and and say jay-z run this town and the only reason again because okay it's it's a bit more it's not it's like his most famous songs but you know it's him it's rihanna it's kanye and i think that those three people together um that delivery the beat it's one of those where that again i'm I'm basing it on songs that make me just think ah i need to hear the rest don't don't turn it off that song you know what Run this town is probably a controversial one because it's quite it's quite commercial. It's very commercial, like, oh, yeah. Oh, right, okay, yeah. It sounds really obvious and stuff. Right. Jay Z's rhyme on that yeah. tune is just sick. Yeah. And you, the best thing about it, you can sing it yourself as yeah. well, yeah. which is probably part of the reason why it's probably made on the top three because you can sing along with it. It's it's it it pretty much. It, nearly didn't make it onto the top three just for the reason that you said it's very commercial it's maybe not pure purist hip-hop people would be like oh it's not really but it's 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 the beat it's the lyrics it's who's on that track and i'm just kind of thinking like you know kanye whether you like him or don't like him as he's an artist that has actually done it with a huge amount of influence and that whole rockefeller situation Jay-Z's been there for time and I think that was just one of those songs where again I'm I'm probably picked that song because of my memory of seeing Jay-Z perform it live yeah and having him and he brought out Kanye at that point he was not advertised to be there and Kanye came and they did run this town and it was like the the emotion that that song brought to me and that crowd at that time 
propelled that song to go into my top three, not because it's a classic hip hop tune, not because it's the best. I can think of, I can give you a list of many better hip hop tunes, but that's the best tune I've ever seen perform live. That's a hip hop song. That's why it's in there. That's sick. So we've got number one. Still Dre. Dr. Dre, Still Dre. Still DRE. Number two. LL Cool J. And number three. Number three, Jay-Z, Run This Town. Sick. That is Max 3P. This is the part of the show where we ask, are you roots or rhymes? Right, so now we're going to move on to the final question. What the listeners want to know is, are you roots or rhymes? That's the final question. That means that are you more Punjabi? Is that, would you always go back to your Punjabi side? Is that what is ingrained in you? If somebody held a gun to your head and said, you can only listen to one type of music ever, is it the Punjabi root side or is it the rhymes and the hip hop side? For me, it's rhymes all day, every day. <laughs> every single probably people listening on here think what the hell they're gonna, I'm going to get the same thing that I got when I was younger, which is like, oh man, you're not even in touch with your roots you're not even like you know you're a coconut you're this and like i don't really have understood never really understood how it could be a coconut like white inside when i listen to black music but that's a, <laughs> i never really kind of understood that but that's that's okay but i mean it's one of those things where like you know when i'm at a wedding and i've had a good few drinks down me bhangra music sounds fucking amazing <laughs> you know there's there's been times where you know i've been um i remember i've been on holiday and having a really, really bad hangover. And I'm like, can't get out of bed. I'm done. Like, I don't, I don't want to go out and have a night. And my, my, like the, the boys and all of them that you know were like, oh, we've got one more night. Come on, just put some, put some music on. You'll be fine. Get, get a shower. You'll be okay. And I'm like, no. And I turned to one of my friends who's a massive Bhangra fan. And I was like, there's only one thing you can do right now. Play some Bhangra music, man. And that was it. That music just got me, that gave me, that gave <laughs> so me the energy to kind of keep going. Max like, only listens to Bhangra when he's either pissed or hungover. It's a hangover cure. It's, it's more about hangover cure than anything else. But, you know, you <laughs> play the music, the shoulders start going, you start, you know, the music starts, the doll starts going, and you're like, yeah, okay, I'm feeling it again. Like, like you said earlier about how music can just change your mood. Bunga yeah. kind of brought me back from the death of like, I don't want to touch another drop of alcohol. I don't want to go out anymore until like five minutes later, I'm like, you know, another drink down and we're back ready to go out again. So I'm, I'm rhymes That's forever. It. I'll always be rhymes, but you know, I, I appreciate Bunga, even if it's not really my, my thing. On that note, Mac, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Podcast. We're obviously going to have you every single show. I'm looking forward to it as my co-host, and it's an absolute pleasure to have you. No, as well. It's it's been great, and you know what? I'm I'm honoured and looking forward to our journey together. You know, our evolution of our journey from you know club DJ, club MC to hosting this and co-hosting this. Let everybody know what you've got going on. This is your opportunity to plug what you've got going on. Well, the things that I want to really kind of plug is number one the coaching stuff the life coaching stuff the mindset stuff get in touch or hit me up on the socials if you ever need to talk about that kind of thing like i said i've been training for this for the last five six years with different qualifications in hypnotherapy in coaching mentoring nlp all this stuff doing it for a reason to try and influence people's in the in the right direction give them the resilience help them find their way to overcome their challenges because we're all going to face them you know, mental health is a huge thing to talk about, but don't suffer in silence. Make sure that you're um, 
if you don't want to reach out to me, just reach out to someone, just someone who's skilled though. There's a lot of people out there who just think that coaching is just good advice. It's not coaching is a real skill to get someone from where they are to overcome the challenges in a certain way. It's not just advice as a strategy. So coaching definitely hit me up if you're interested to hear more about that. Do check out Music and Mindset. It's going to be one of those um, podcasts and courses where we get people to talk about their journey, their mindset journey within the music industry. There are going to be some fascinating stories of resilience and, you know, good stories, happy stories, sad moments, but how these people have managed to still retain the success despite going through what they go through. And finally, and I'm sure we'll preview some of this stuff, you know, the music making journey for me isn't over by a long shot. There'll be things that I'm going to be coming out with over the next few months and, you know, Chunzi, I'll be looking for your feedback and you'll be hearing them first, but we'll, you know, there's, there's music to be released. It's, it's up and coming. It's, you know, as the cheesiest cliche, there is the return of the Mac. Uh, that'll be, it'll be different. I think we've got our episode title. It'll, it'll be, it'll be more spoken word than, than traditional rap. Cause I'm not trying to, go head to head with some of these young artists coming through. It'll be, it'll be an adult matured evolved version of what I used to do. And I'm really looking forward to expressing the mindset lessons through the creative output of music. So definitely stay tuned and listen out for that. The UK is on red alert as part of our commitment to the British Asian events industry. We're campaigning with, we make events to help raise vital funds for those who can no longer work as a result of live events being cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. You can help by donating using the link in the description of this podcast, because together we can help make events again.